So here's a question to begin with. Do you want to save the world? Uh, I hope that you found the series exciting. Two weeks ago, we asked, are you in? And the, the job offer on the table was the servant of God. That's the, the top of that page. If you're still on page 1109, quote from Isaiah 49. It's the job of Jesus Christ to be the saviour of the world. But the, the last word on page uh, 1108 is the word us. As the Lord has commanded us, go and be the servant of the Lord. Paul and Barnabas, but then also every Christian that takes that message on. Are you in? Come and save the world. It's exciting. Uh, there are um, people at the, the church today who arrived at church during the carol services and uh, have been coming since then. It's exciting. Uh, maybe they came because of an advert in the paper or because of a carol singer at the tube station or because of a faithful, kind, loving, praying friend. Um, do you want to save the world? And normally when we think about that, we focus on beginnings, don't we? Uh, first contact evangelism or the first time someone believes the gospel or the first time someone prays the prayer or the first time an unreached people group hears the name of Jesus. And those are um, wonderful, exciting moments. But we can get um, frantic about it or, or sort of tunnel vision about it. Or at worst, we can sort of lose interest once someone has believed in Jesus. And they'll be fine now. Onwards. I think there's somebody over there who hasn't heard yet. Um, the day when someone first believes in Jesus is a wonderful, glorious day. For me, it was three months of build-up and wrestling and trying to want it not to be true about me. And then it was followed by um, 10 seconds. Very unremarkable prayer. 10 seconds. Followed by a totally normal day I can remember nothing of. I remember more about the chair I was sitting on when I prayed the prayer than I do about the day. Uh, but the moment it was when Jesus enabled me to turn to him. Uh, and I am so grateful. But that day, it was only the, the first day. There's, um, there's something very strange in our verses. I don't know if you, you heard it. We're going to be looking at verses 21 to 28. Um, something, um, I think Doctor Who would call it timey-wimey in what we've got here. So look at verse 27, right at the end of our passage. Verse 27 says, God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. In other words, the, the door is open and thousands of Gentiles have entered. They believed and they are in. Now look at verse 22, which is the other um, theologically weighty sentence in our reading says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Do you see the, the, the time problem? It's about entering and whether that has happened yet or not. It looks uh, as if many Gentiles have entered, uh, happened you know, in 10 seconds for me, three months and then 10 seconds. But yes, I've entered through that open door. But then according to verse 22... I've been entering the kingdom every day since then, uh, which is something like 13,500 days since then, and will be every day until Jesus returns or I die. And it's clear that um, entering the kingdom is not just as easy as saying a prayer on a, a painted bench for 10 seconds. 
through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So that's our our subject for tonight. It is open door time. Uh, In church jargon uh, terms, it is evangelism time. But the open door is only the beginning. And don't neglect the other 13,500 days, which will help us in partnership month. What is it we should be all about? We, we come back in these verses to the Launchpad Church. We said just a church in chapter 13, the church in Antioch, who sent out Paul and Barnabas, and there'll be lessons for us here as another church uh, in another large global city who also want to save the world. So um, here is where we're going, starting with, do you want to save the world? Um, Come to verse 26 with me. Um, Again, sorry, we're going to begin at the end of the reading, and I know some people find that difficult, but that's where we're going to begin. Uh, Verse 26, they um, went home from Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. They've come back to the church, the church that prayed, the church that gave, the church that sent away 40% of its ministry team. And verse 27, on arriving there, they gathered the church together and they reported all. Now just stop that. You're not allowed to look for a second. Uh, Reported all. What would you report? We've read together chapters 13 and 14 over the last few weeks. Um, What would you tell them? You can imagine one version, can't you? Here's a version. Uh, maybe they would tell them something about the, the travel. It was difficult. It was uncomfortable. It was tiring. Uh, maybe something about the opposition and the divisions. Um, that happened in 100% of the places that we went. Everywhere we went, we split synagogues and divided whole towns. Maybe tell them about the hatred and the rejection. Uh, By the end, it was thousands of people, thousands of people who had never heard of us or heard of Jesus, and now they hate us, and they hate Jesus. Maybe something about the plots and the plans. How many were there? Um, I think I count plots to persecute three, which is to say, you know, they'd report um, in three out of five of the places that we went, in 60% of the places where we went, there was a serious organized plot to hurt us. Expelled once, fled for our lives twice, and stoned to death once. Now look down at verse 27. What is the, the percentage of all of that that makes it into their report? Answer, zero. Presumably, depending quite how long the travel took, there are still bruises on Paul's face at this point, still broken bones and cuts that are still healing. But verse 27, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. They told them what God had done and they told them about the big, fat open door that they'd found. From that point of view, what has happened in the last few months is that the servant of God has brought salvation to the Gentiles. The rejection in one of those synagogues on the way, that is just a sign to Paul and Barnabas that a major corner in salvation history has been turned. This is the day Isaiah promised. So here is another version, uh, another true version of what actually happened that is more like what they said. Uh, To their way of thinking, this is the only story 
worth telling. We preached Jesus in every synagogue on Cyprus. And the governor heard about it. Uh, one of the, the 20 most important human beings in the world. But his, his friend and his advisor hated us. But God did a miracle. And the governor believed. Then we went to a, a small town. Do you know it had a really good name? It was called Antioch. Just like us. They're reporting back. Uh, and we went there and we preached Jesus in the synagogue. And many believed. And not just Jews, but also the Gentile converts to Judaism who were there in the synagogue as well. And then the next week, the whole town came to hear. And the Gentiles were glad and believed. Then we went to Iconium, where a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Then in Lystra, some people became disciples. And they were brave enough that they came and stood round me when everybody wanted to hurt me. And everybody knew they were disciples of Jesus now. And then in Derby. We won a large number of disciples. There's the report. The door is open. The Gentiles are entering the kingdom. Loads of them. It was the best weeks of our life, despite all of the other stuff. And there are um, parts of Acts that have a uniqueness, unique to their situation. Uh, Normal in their day, but less normal in ours. Um, But the the day of the open door, that is here to tell us that is where we live now. That is every day until the day when we see Jesus when he returns. Only then will the door be shut and it will be too late. Until then, every day is open door day. And I just want to give you one application here before we move on to the main material tonight. So um, it's open door time. Imagine if we lived in a closed door day where um, you know, salvation is over there, but the door is shut, or shut to Gentiles. Imagine if every conversation you had with someone who didn't believe in Jesus was really a sort of plan for some kind of elaborate break-in. You know, perhaps we can get you in when God isn't looking, maybe when he's not paying attention, or, or maybe like even the, the desperation that drives um, the, the people smuggling industry, dangerous, hidden, uncertain. We don't know if we'll get you there. If we're honest, does evangelism actually feel like that in our hearts uh, a lot of the time? Um, Certainly there were were difficulties to me becoming a Christian, um, but they were all about my hard heart. They were all about the fact I did not think I needed, the fact that my pride uh, hated the view of me that the gospel was giving me, but the door was open. The moment I softened enough to turn to Jesus, the moment I stumbled against the threshold, the door was wide open and I was allowed in. And we work for Jesus in an open door world and open for anyone. When, um, when they say God has opened a door of faith for the Gentiles, you need to know there is, there is nobody lower down or less suitable than a Gentile like me. Uh, from the point of view of Paul the Pharisee, um, it, it is so offensive that God would let in a Roman like that governor or an Anglo-Saxon like me. Um, so offensive that he is sure the door is open to everybody now. Uh, no matter who you are tonight, the door is open. Jesus will welcome you in. No matter where in the world Jesus might send you uh, or might bring someone from to be on the seat next to you on the bus, Uh, Whatever that person might believe or not believe, the door is open. Tell them about Jesus and see what happens. Okay, do you want to save the world? Uh, Well, if the door is open, 
what will Paul and Barnabas give their time to? Uh, This is the first great missionary journey. So you'd think, certainly I was taught uh, in Sunday school when I was a child, that this is just one headlong rush from one place to another to do the first contact evangelism. Uh, to get people into the door and then to rush on to the next place. So um, look down at verse 21 and see if that is right. Verse 21, they um, preach the gospel in this new place in Derby, and there are many disciples. And then, we pointed out last week just how weird this is, then they return. They returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. Those are the three places where there are active plots to kill you. The places where you were horribly treated. The place where they only stopped heaving rocks at you because they were sure that you were dead already. They went back. And they went back, verse 22, strengthening and encouraging. And verse 23, they appointed elders in every church with prayer and fasting. So here is the the shock lesson of the first missionary journey. It is that evangelism time, open door time, is church time, discipleship time, church strengthening time. So do you want to save the world? Well, then you need churches. Um, Do you remember our map? Um, Here is our map. There's the the loop of where they started in Antioch and they went round uh, preaching and there were many disciples. Um, And can you see where they end up, battered and bruised in Derby? And can you see where home is in Antioch? Um, They're actually already halfway home. And more than that, um, Tarsus is just sort of the place on the coast in a straight line between Derby and Antioch. Uh, Paul's home where his family are and his friends. You think surely a bit of um, R&R on the beach after a month or two like this. Verse uh, 21, they returned. And that is a drawing of what they did next. Uh, They went back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. And as they went, they went then, verse 24, uh, through Pisidia to Pamphylia, then Perga, and then Italia. Um, they went back the, the long way, and each of those places has people in it who've entered through the open door. So you'd think, really, they've finished. There's no need to go back. They've done it. Except that in each place, they think there is work to do because you need churches. Verse 23, in each place, they appointed elders uh, for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord's. And we're not given lots of detail, not a fully worked out role description for an elder or a totally fixed system of church government. But these people we meet all over the New Testament. Uh, Probably in those towns, there are some people who've had a role like that in the Jewish synagogue, uh, people who know the scriptures and are pastorally experienced, and now they believe in Jesus. Uh, Others might be new in um, Titus, we're told more about this, or in Acts 20 and 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Um, Titus is told, go and find people to do this job in every town in Crete. And Crete was the worst place that anyone had ever heard of. And they think there will be uh, people there who can do this, people who put their trust in the Lord. And notice that the, the elders, they get the same full treatment, which is to say 14 verse 23 is a lot like 13 verse 2 and 3. Sorry about the, the page flipping. 
Just compare 13 verse 2 and 3 with 14 verse 23. So when um, the big church in the big strategic city of Antioch decide to send out the Paul and the Barnabas to reach the world for the first time, they fasted and they prayed and they appointed, set apart, and they committed them to the Lord. And in case you missed the link, and that is repeated in 14 verse 26, come back to the place where we were committed to the Lord. The same full treatment, whether you are the Apostle Paul or the elder of um, the tiny persecuted church of Lystra. Uh, we need elders, we need overseers of the church of God, because the church of God is the people bought by the precious blood of God's only son. So the, the role description isn't fully worked out here. But you see that this is clearly not optional at all. Um, some of these places, they, they re-enter at fear of their lives. But we've got to go back because we cannot leave the church without elders to teach and oversee the growth and the strengthening of the new believers. And there is an, an attitude that Christians can have. The sort of, um, I'll be fine without church, I think. Uh, sometimes we, we think that when life is busy. I think, oh, I'll be fine without church this month. Uh, or I'll be fine while I'm traveling. Or I'll be fine in the, the new town where I'm studying. I'll be fine without church. Sometimes even you hear, um, church holds me back, if I'm honest. Um, in fact, sometimes you find that in the people who are most excited about the open door. Uh, most involved in trying to, to reach people, get people to hear about Jesus for the first time. Um, the, the contrast when you find it is wonderful. Do you know, it was one of um, Rico Tice's burning passions. Uh, our evangelist here for 30 years, he was utterly devoted to people hearing the gospel and utterly devoted to the local church, uh, traveling all around the world, but longing to be, to be back here with his church family and longing to get any new believer into a church family. Uh, and involved and stuck in. And do you know now in the, the new place where Rico lives, when I go and see Rico and Lucy, um, do you know what they're doing? They're studying for the membership classes at their new church. Uh, world famous evangelist. Uh, let me sit down with all the other new people because I want to join this local church as fully as I can. Um, in partnership month, when we push belong, it's not because we want to boost numbers. It is because we need churches. Every believer in every place. It goes with the open door to evangelism. If you're into evangelism, then you are into churches. We need them. But what for? Uh, what do I need uh, to come to church for? And what do I need to do when I'm, when I'm here? Well, that's in our verses too. Do you want to save the world? Well, then you need churches, and you need churches, and they need to be strengthened. Um, verse 26 says they came home because they had completed the work. And um, now that we've got the, the maps open, we know what they think that meant, that the job committed to them would not be complete unless they had established the churches. We're, we're told in verse 22 what they did. Uh, on that return journey, they strengthened the disciples and they encouraged them to remain true to the faith. 
Uh, so these are people, they're believers, they've stepped through the open door, they've, immediate, they've entered. But immediately, Barnabas and Paul are focused on the, the next step, and the next step, and the next step. They want them to remain in the faith so that they will enter the kingdom of God, every day entering the kingdom, until the last day, or the day that you see Jesus. And that journey through your Christian life, That needs the attention of Paul and Barnabas, the apostles, just as much as the first day that someone believed. That is a strengthening and an encouraging that needs their time and their energy and their gifts just as much. That is just as much what the church in Antioch gave their money and sent them out to do. Evangelism is church strengthening. Evangelistic work is lifelong discipling work, is remaining work so that we will all remain in Jesus. And I want to show you some more maps, just because you can never have enough maps. Um, Because um, actually, if you were to read on Acts 15, Acts 16, Acts 18, Acts 19, Acts 20, um, we've said before, normally what what, what you and I do when we see a place name is we sort of glaze over and delete it, because we we don't know where that is. But um, uh, let's go. So here is uh, the journey out, we said. Uh, There is the journey back, where they go to everywhere again. Now here is the... um, second missionary journey about to come up. Um, Do you see where they went first? Now they take the land route from Antioch because they want to go to Derby and Lystra and Iconium and Antioch again to strengthen the same places. Now here is the third missionary journey. See where it starts, where they go? They do it all again. If you want to take notes, 15 verse 36, because they want to see those towns and see how they are doing. Uh, 15 verse 41, they went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. 18 verse 23, they're at it again, uh, strengthening all the disciples. This is relentless because it is essential. This is worth the danger and the expense and the travel and the hardship because the journey to be with Jesus needs the strengthening and the encouraging. Um, Notice again the the different roles involved. So there are apostles bringing the gospel for the first time. They set up these churches. They deliver the teaching. And then the elders are to take the teaching and pass it on. In Titus 1, Paul says these elders in every town, they need to hold on to the trustworthy message so that they can teach it and so they can refute those who oppose it. And it also says they need to be people who have been changed by it. Their character, their behavior needs to be under the lordship of Christ. So the apostles, the elders. But then in Ephesians 4, Paul tells us that every single Christian does this strengthening work. So as we gather week by week, um, we are supposed, according to Ephesians 4, to speak the truth in love to each other. And that that is, in the, the body image in Ephesians 4, that is like a visit to a hospital or, or um, a visit for some serious physio or a, a visit to the gym for the best workout of your life. That means the person next to you tonight, that's what they're for. That's why they're here. And they're your personal trainer. They're your, your nurse practitioner. They're your highly qualified physio. Um, coming to church is important. I'm... Um, at the tail end of the generation, who were prepared to go to church without really knowing why. Uh, It may seem strange to you, uh, those younger than me, certainly those um, older than me, just went to church. 
Lots of them. Uh, many could not really have told you why. Why, why. What was the point? Certainly didn't go um, expecting to benefit in any way, except in, in some exceptional cases. Truth to be told, uh, most of them found it boring and disappointing. And sometimes even the vicar could not really have given you a reason why you should be there. Um, and I hope now that is something we can push firmly into the past. Um, now that going to church is the, the radical, challenging thing to do with your weekend. Um, really, uh, ask everyone else, you should be doing something else now. You should be um, doing something for yourself in particular. Uh, in the pressured life of London, this is your day to recover. But instead, you gather with God's people. You gather with your partners in the great open door project. And that this is the place you need to go for strengthening and encouraging that you need. And this is the place you go to serve as the personal trainer and the physio for everybody else. And um, it's true, isn't it? Sadly, sometimes people miss physio appointments. Certainly, uh, sometimes people roll over in bed and decide not to go to the gym today. Um, But here, we are both patient and nurse. We are, um, you know, the newest unfit weakling on the weights for the first time, and we are the trainer and the physio. And um, I guess that physios don't miss many appointments when somebody really, really needs their help. And I guess you you don't get to be a personal trainer for very long uh, if you stay in bed and don't go to the gym because the people need you there. And that is a picture of how much we need each other here at 5.30. As we were discussing this in the team earlier, um, one of the staff teams said, actually, um, I've been to Italia. Uh, verse 25, that's um, where this, this is set, the coastal region on our maps, uh, in modern-day Turkey now. And it's a place where it is very challenging now to be a Christian, um, where there is opposition, maybe from family, maybe from neighbours, uh, there is threat and there is hostility. Um, and she said, so they go to church, because it's difficult, they go to church, and they don't go to church for an hour and then go home. She said they go all day, uh, like coming to 9.30 in the morning and then staying for 11.30 and then going to the, the congregational lunch today and then going to the student Bible study in the afternoon, then coming to the 5.30 and then going for food and discussion afterwards. Um, do you want to save the world? Well, then you need churches and the churches, they need to be strengthened um, and they need to be strengthened because of what uh, those churches in modern Italia know well now, uh, which is our fourth point, because of the many hardships. So look again at verse 22. On his return journey, uh, when certainly he's going to be able to show them the bruises, uh, because this is like a week later, uh, and he's in these towns where they absolutely know what happened to him, when he was there. We said last week, and he does not say, I'm sorry about that. That was really unusual. That will never happen again. He says, this is normal. Verse 22, we must, we must go through, go through many hardships to enter the kingdom. Uh, so you need to remain Uh, It's almost as if hardship and suffering was the pattern of our Saviour's life. 
was the, the shape of the door, the pattern of the way in. And verse 22 is, is something special, isn't it? It is the, um, the theological curriculum for a church. It's what Paul does with every new church in all those places. This is what he taught them. Uh, we rightly, we seize on to chapter 13, the great sermon announcing Jesus to people. We seize on to Acts 17. Why don't we grab hold of 14 verse 22 just as much? Uh, evangelism time, open door time, is church strengthening time. And if you want to strengthen a church, you tell them this, verse 22. Uh, so we could do a, a new church test, couldn't we? Slightly dangerous because... Uh, in this room, the, the new church most likely that you've joined will be this one. Uh, but here's the test. Is, um, is All Souls doing this? Is, is Roots doing this for you? Um, or, you know, think of the sad day when, when maybe someone in this room leaves and joins a new church in 50 years' time. I hope no one will ever leave. But when you, when you go somewhere new, do you look for a church that will help you with 14 verse 22? Uh, or will you look for a church just like All Souls? Maybe a church as big as All Souls, with music as good as All Souls, or I don't know what bring transport links as good as All Souls, uh, people your own age uh, in uh, variety as we have here. Or will you go for a place that will prepare you to remain in the faith through many hardships? That would be the kind of church to join. And there are some churches that actively lean the other way, don't they, from 1422? There are some obvious ones that um, promise you millions of pounds and private jets if you pray hard enough. But there are other less obvious churches where it's, it's just something in the culture, maybe more like um, our culture, that bears down hard and says, you know, actually, it's only the sort of nasty Christians who cause splits and aren't popular. And if you just prayed hard enough or were nice enough about it at work, uh, then what happened to Paul in every single one of these towns, it will never happen to you. Um, neither of those kinds of churches is going to strengthen you to remain if hardship is the normal Christian life. Uh, so there is the curriculum, and this is the, the point of the stupid question about the South Pole. I'm sorry, I could see uh, some people were angry about that. Um, Sue, I think, thought I was going to put her in a helicopter right now and you know drop her there straight away. Um, if you had, a, maybe you do, maybe someone here does have a plan to go to the South Pole in 2020. If you had that plan, you would be training and preparing. You would be serious about that, wouldn't you? If you actually think you're going to get to the South Pole. Uh, do you want, do you want to go to South Pole in 2024? Better be serious about that. Um, do you want to save the world in 2024 with your life? Well, partnership month. If you do want to save the world, then join your brothers and sisters in being serious about belonging. Be serious about the local church. We're just a church. There's nothing special here. But it's so important that the nearly dead man, Paul, went back to make sure there was a church in every one of those places. And Partnership Month, if you want to save the world, then be serving in ministries that do far more than just push someone through a door on the first day they believe. Give your time and your prayers and your love to disciples who need to be strengthened. And be here to do physio work every Sunday and to nurse your brothers and sisters with the teaching of the gospel. 
And Partnership Month uh, on Giving Sunday, let's give like the church in Antioch. So yes, give for the, the new and the exciting, for the first opportunities and the, the big rallies and the big moments when people become Christians. But let's also give to the, the serious, important work of discipleship and strengthening, and eldership, and teaching. And then let's insist that that strengthening follows the syllabus that Paul set out uh, in your fellowship group, your life group, or when you pray tonight maybe with the person in the seat next to you, or when your friend asks you how you are. Um, There's the, the Christian life, another day remaining through the many hardships. That's what I want my Bible study group to help me with. That's what you, I want you to pray with me about. That's what I want you to talk to me about, if we were being honest and being serious. Evangelism time, save the world time, is strengthening time through many hardships. Let me pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the open door. Uh, Thank you for um, those of us who have walked through it and who rejoice in knowing the Lord Jesus. Thank you for those who we speak to that we can offer them the gospel. Thank you for those who are right on the edge of the door, even tonight, even in this room, uh, to whom the door is open. But Father, we pray we would be serious about our need to be strengthened and our need to strengthen each other and to encourage that we would be ready for the hardships on the way until the day we see your son face to face. And so we praise and we thank you for all that you have done among us, all those days since Paul and Barnabas first set out, uh, all that you have done, and pray that you would strengthen us for our part in that great uh, message of the gospel going out, salvation to the ends of the earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.